Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing this Monday evening? You know, I thought we were just going to talk about two things tonight, and Mm -hmm. then I don't know what happened to... Well, a lot happened today. Yeah. It's like Batwoman knew we weren't going to cover it today. Yeah. And... And then it forced us to, in a weird <laughs> way. It did. It did. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, we were planning on taking just a week off of Batwoman, and then we get the news last night uh, from the episode, as well as news reports about the ending of last night's episode, that uh, Wallace Day from Krypton is going to be joining the cast as Kate Kane. Which which is crazy because I keep thinking about how last April, when it was announced that Ruby wouldn't be coming back, there was immediate recasting rumors, and her name mm-hmm. was like at the top of the list. And yep. I was, I know you both, you and I were like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do it, do it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And apparently, I was, re- I think I was reading an interview in Entertainment Weekly today uh, for, from the showrunner Caroline Dries about. Uh, the recast and she actually noted that uh, she I think she has sent in a audition tape for Mm. uh, for Kate and she was really in the early running to to be uh, cast as Kate then of course they changed directions and decided to go with uh, Javicia and and change up the story um, Instead of doing a recast, creating a character of Ryan. Right. I mean, it, it's it's a weird thing because this season we've been, I mean, it hasn't been the best start of a season. Um, it's been kind of middle ground because there's this inevitable presence of Kate Kane mm-hmm. and who she is. And we noticed a lot of the things that were working last season because of relationships and dynamics where Kate were not working this year. At the same time, Ryan has, has taken up the mantle and, and b- telling her own story and really is the lead. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so at what point, <laughs> <laughs> What is going to happen? And and I, I kid you not, Will, but I remember, I think it was last week where you were just like, okay, so when is enough with the Kate Kane stuff? Um, like, we know she's not being <laughs> recast. <laughs> but at the same time, I was watching the episode today, and I liked the beginning. Mm-hmm. It got a rough, had a rough middle, but I liked the ending as well. Yeah. And... And I think that this might be the solution in a weird way. I think that they are going to, by integrating her back in, they're not going to take anything away from Ryan, but they're just going to add to this feeling that Ryan currently has of being, it's like, like going to add a layer of that imposter motif mm. yeah. that Ryan already has. Um. And allow her by the end of the season to kind of, I don't, I don't want to say defeat Kate, but overtake Kate and say, no, this is, this is really me. You're something else now. You're yeah. someone else. You have to go to an island and figure it out for five years. 
Go to an island, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you know, when I saw it, I I, I, I I had mixed feelings about it because on the one hand, yes, we did talk about the fact that they need to do something with this story as far as Kate and dragging it on and on. And, and you know, I, I, I DM'd you last night. I was like, you know, shame on me for not remembering this whenever we were talking about it before, but I had seen on Instagram uh, someone had screenshotted, um, I think, Nicole King's Instagram page or Wallace had, had followed. Well, they had screenshotted, I think, several members of the cast uh, mm-hmm. of where she had followed them on Instagram. So, and I and I was like, huh. But I was like, nah. You know, somebody even speculated that was the case. And I was like, mm, maybe not. And I forgot to mention it to you. Uh, but then once I saw the news last night, I first, I actually didn't see it from watching the episode, it was, I saw the uh, news alert uh, hit, uh, I think, deadline or something. And I was like, well, that'll be damn. <laughs> and, mm. and and I was, I had mixed feelings. What, I mean, I was excited because, you know, as, you, as everyone knows who listens to the show, we love Krypton and really love what she did with the character of Nissa Vex. And, and so... I was excited about that, but at the same time, I, we both I think have really grown to really enjoy Javicia and, and and Ryan and the story that they have built up with Ryan this season. So, on the one hand, I was like, "Yay!" On the other hand, I was like, "Just when I was hoping they'll just move on with this story, I feel like part of me was like already undercutting Javicia a bit." taking it out of story for a little bit, but just into actual dynamics of the cast or whatever, already undermining her some by doing this. And I mean, did she know whenever she signed on to this right. series, this was going to be the arc that was going to happen. And, and, and I, and I think about that, uh, you know, with another show that we're going to talk about tonight with Falcon and winter soldier, uh, how Sam Wilson was treated as an African-American and then you have, and how the government played them, and then you get this, like, you know, the the, the racial dynamics, and of course the gender dynamics, and the sexual orientation dynamics. I mean, there's just so many le- levels to this that I'm wondering, like, they better, they 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 better do a good job of introducing Kate back into the story, and also not undermining Ryan, as for, and Javicia as well. Uh, because they've really stepped into a very, um, if they're not careful how they handle this, they could really have set themselves up to be in a really bad place with alienating a lot of fans on both sides of the fence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it, this is a very risky call. And it makes, it, it does, in, a, in an odd way, make me more excited to watch Batwoman. Because yeah. I was totally off the Batwoman train last week. I was really mad at that episode. Mm-hmm, me too. And then when I found out this news, my curiosity is back in store. I had a lot of curiosity coming into this season because of all of the changes. And and as it went on, I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. Stuff isn't working. Some stuff is, some stuff isn't. So how? where are we headed? And I'm really, Sophia needs to just go away. Yeah. Um, and, and so now I'm kind of just like, okay, well, this is a risk. 
I'm really curious as if it's going to pay off. Yeah, I am too. I mean, like I said, they, I, as we said, how we ended things last week when we talked about last week's episode, given how we both, and even our guest was, Jeff was kind of, we were all kind of, huh, but, you know, one of the things you did say, and I, I agree with your sentiment that we, overall, we trust the writers on this show more so than others. And so I'm going to trust them that they're going to get this right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they, because of the, of the CW shows other than Superman and Lois right now, which is too early in this run to really, you know, it's too short, of, too small of a sample size. So I'm, I'm going to put them to the, that show to the side right now. But of the established shows, at least the ones I watch, because I don't really watch Legends, but the Batwoman writers rooms has overall handled have 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 given me maybe they've been breaking the mold somewhat as far as getting over the wash rinse repeat kind of cycles that we've seen on the flash and mm-hmm. and so I have more confidence in them at this point than I do say if you're doing this on the flash the way their writer's room has been going lately. So Yeah, yeah. No no I agree I agree with that. Um, speaking about trusting writers, promising young women director Emerald Fennel is tapped to write a Zantana film, which, which is kind of interesting because Zantana's a character who's been like, I, I don't know how many times people say, oh, that bad person is going to be Zantana on the flash. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> 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 but but is Zantana a bad guy or a good one? Good one. A good one. Okay. Okay. All right. Because for a moment I was going to be like, wait a second, is is DC about to step into Sony territory where it's like they're starting to just make movies about villains? <laughs> because <laughs> that works out so well. Um. Also on the DC movie front, Michael Keaton may not return to play Batman in the Flash movie. Yeah, so it was in inter- was article. He was being interviewed for uh, an article uh, in Deadline, and he was. It was about. I guess he's in the uh, trial of the Chicago Seven, and they were noting that in this article, they it was one of many things they were talking about as far as, far as he could be like one of the third actors or whatever to hit this. Uh, a SAG award slate as far as ensemble pieces. And within the article, they cover a lot of things about his career and stuff. And he talked about the flash movie and he talks about it. And he's like, yeah, I've seen this stuff on social media and yeah. Um, you know, I am look, he, he was like, I'm looking into it. But uh, one of the things that he, that's really stuck out to me in this interview was he was like, if I'm gonna have to, up and go to London to film this thing, uh, you know, got to keep an eye on COVID because, you know, he is, you know, he is older. And, and so that was part and of his um, reticence and saying, um, yeah, he's like, look, I'm not being coy. I'm not being funny or trying to pull it stringy along. I just haven't, I haven't signed on to this film yet. So, you know, he's open to playing and returning as, his version of Batman, but it's, but it's not a done deal at this point. 
So freaking weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I when the news first broke about him being on board and signed up for this, and then all of the rumors starting, very much like Spider-Man, where it's like every Spider-Man who's ever played Spider-Man is going to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe it, but then everybody was so adamant, like, no, this is happening and and now we have the Snyder Cut, and after watching the Snyder Cut, it's just like, okay, well, we see what's happening. So to get this news, especially right after Snyder Cut weekend, yeah, DC does this crap on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know why they do it, but you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think it's just bad. I mean, I, I don't know if it was anything other than this really bad timing for this deadline article to drop. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, because he also talks about his, his uh, playing the vulture and and the MCU and how he, you know, how he how he enjoys uh, these types of roles and stuff, uh, even if he's not like steeped in the lore. But right. uh, but uh, yeah, but you know, it was, it was, it was very, we should, I, I did post it on our socials. It's a very interesting uh, interview. If you, if you like to read some, some more long form stuff uh, and it really gets into a lot of, a lot of things about his career and wearing the bat suit and, and, you know, the right circumstances to come back and, 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 and portray his version of Batman 89 in, in the flash movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I see a tray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I don't believe any of these casting rumors. Anymore. Yeah, <laughs> even if it shows up in the trade, because I think it, I think this one did actually. The, the, the Michael Keaton thing did show up in some of the trades too, so it wasn't yeah. like just you know no. rando bloggers saying, "Oh yeah, I heard I have a source that yeah. tells me this is happening." <laughs> yeah. yeah, the next thing they they're gonna say is Mephisto is gonna play Batman in. <laughs> Um, one more bit of news. A Hawkeye spinoff. Um, a Hawkeye spinoff has been announced um, called Echo and is in development at Disney Plus because Disney Plus is the cash cow that keeps giving right now. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is uh, pretty, pretty. When I saw this today, I was I, I, I wanted to add it to the rundown because uh, I saw it in Variety and um, yeah, it is in early stages, but uh, Echo is the one of the characters who uh, is going to be in the upcoming series is the character's Maya Lopez uh, is her character name is played by a new actress called uh, uh, Aguacua Cox. And um, yeah. And so given that we haven't even seen <laughs> the first frame of this new show, uh, I, I guess Disney plus is feeling pretty, pretty bullish uh, about, how these MCU shows are, are 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 going to continue to perform on the platform, and just looking at the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, debut this weekend for that platform, uh, being the highest streaming premiere for Disney Plus. Uh, that includes Mando Two and um, even WandaVision. Uh, I guess they're feeling pretty good. So it'll it'll hold. Yeah, I guess Falcon and Winter Soldier premiere will hold it the, the record till. Loki comes out this summer. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. I mean, the thing about WandaVision is it was such a high concept. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling that it wouldn't be a like a straightaway hit because 
A, this is the first dose of MCU. Yeah. Those characters, we know them, yeah. but they've they're not even as well known as Bucky and True. and Falcon. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's it's just different and and so and especially that very first episode i know a lot of people are just like i don't understand but then it progressed right. meanwhile falcon and winter soldier it it is the concept very similar to any traditional comic book movie we've seen um now it has a lot to say and we'll we'll get in that um, get into that in a moment. But it's still like commercially, it appeals to a lot more yeah. masses than I would say Wandavision did. You yeah. were even on the fence about Wandavision. I was. Own you? No, Will. It's gonna be great. Sarah's <laughs> <laughs> gonna have great on my gravestone. <laughs> yeah, I like... it was even announced. You were skeptical. <laughs> yeah, all I was. I I really was. But you know. Thinking about it now, and especially now that we had the premiere of Falcon and Winter, Winter, Winter Soldier, and thinking about how originally Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to kick the things off after Black Widow uh, mm-hmm. movie last year. Uh, I, I'm glad. Actually, I think, it, and of course, now we can say this with the benefit of seeing how things have actually unfolded, but I think it actually, in a weird way, COVID actually worked to both, to both of these series' benefit. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. I'm. I mean, I. I think that that's what's really happening right now. And we've talked a little bit about this last week with the CW verse lineup. Mm-hmm. Is you're seeing multiple writers' rooms pivot in the face of this um, this pandemic. Yeah. And and across the board, you see it in all medians where some are even incorporating COVID storylines, and that's mm-hmm. how they get away with their actors wearing masks all the time. And then in some instances, it's just like, well, it delayed shooting, which means that we have a lot of time to spend rendering. Yep. <laughs> <CD guy. laughs> <laughs> Snyder could have used a little bit more time, in my opinion, but we'll get into that. <laughs> Um, but let's let's kick things off with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. We got the first episode, New World Order. Um, very Sam Wilson, Sam Wilson heavy. I'm not mm-hmm. mad at it. Mr. Anthony Mackie looking very, very fine, very appreciative of him. And um, he's doing some some action. He they they I the Russos did not direct this episode, right? Um, because the action sequence, the opening action sequence with Sam, I'm just like, okay, this is pretty much Winter Soldier, but Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like it, the it's a very similar setup of you think that this guy, he's kind of like very limited in what he can do, and they just pulled out all the tricks for him in that um, sequence. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I love that sequence. I, you know, it um, obviously it is what fans come to expect, but it, it to me, it was like a reintroduction to Falcon, and mm-hmm. and in a, in a way that really because one, you know, obviously when we had these characters like. Falcon and Bucky and others show up in the in the feature films. 
they are supporting characters and 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 treat it as such but right out the gate we see falcon and all this you know and all this tactical and war fighting skills on display in, in that opening sequence and it was just sort of like okay you know here here's Here's how you know it was one of those things where you're going to be thinking, oh man, this is this, this whole episode is just going to be adrenaline pumping and all that kind of stuff. But actually, after we got that initial action sequence, we really got a lot of character moments and character development the, the rest right. of the, the rest of the episode. So, you know, it was sort of like, okay, we're going to give the fans what they want right out the gate, and then the back rest of the story, we're going to really get into post blip world for Bucky and Sam. Right. Right. Which now that I'm thinking about it, it's not only post blip world. I mean, that's the connective tissue for the MCU at this point. Mm -hmm. However, it's interesting that when we first meet Sam in winter soldier, he he's a vet. He Mm -hmm. is no longer active military and out of service. But seeing this opening sequence, your initial thought is, oh, you're still part of the fight. Like, you're still yeah. military. Mm-hmm. And he mentions he got, he has governor, government contracts now. Yep. And so that's how he's able to still. So he's he. it's almost as if this whole saga with um, Captain America has reinvigorated him on, on continuing that fight and not having come home yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And you see that play out a bit with his sister where he tries to come back and she's just like, dude, you left. Yeah, You're, you're still a... gone. <laughs> yeah. Like... You disappeared. Well, wait, no. Was, did Sam disappear? He did. He did. He did. He did. Yep. That's right. Yep. yep. He was, yeah. Yeah, Sam... yeah. Sam and Bucky both disappeared. Yeah. But then on the flip side, you also have, you have Bucky who, mm-hmm. who, is is basically Steve Rogers, except the reverse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because he he's a soldier too, who's faced combat, was in a world war, and all of that, and yet he's also been on the other side as the villain, as the enemy with Hydra, mm-hmm. and and so now we're seeing him with his lovely psychiatrist work through those <laughs> issues of, yeah. of, of writing those wrongs. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the list parallel. Yeah. Like, I love. Yeah. So you're really telling me the Russos had nothing to do with this first. <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, Marvin Spellman, I think is the, is the showrunner and yeah, that the, he may have taken the, he he's taken the construct that the Russos have built with the last few films, but he's taken it and moving it forward because you know we you know because obviously with with the TV series now you you have the opportunity to really get into the layers of these characters and and so you know to, to your point like with for example Bucky mm-hmm. and the list and tying tying his list of of amends now to his list of assignments that he had when he was winter soldier. And, 
And and I, I love the checklist that yeah you're right with the psychiatrist like you know what do you do whenever you get into these 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 situ- these these scenarios and I think it was like a, like a three or four point uh, thing he had to check off on whenever yeah. he was doing uh, his his now good work as part of his pardon. Don't and, break the don't break any law. Don't hurt anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, well, it's not only, um, the list is not only a motif for that, but it also, Steve Rogers had a list at the Mm. beginning of Winter Soldier. He did. A different list of pop culture. That's right. That's right. Because, yeah. and Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I had forgotten about that. Thanks for reminding me because, yeah, because, yeah, because now Bucky is, we're seeing hip, uh, 106-year-old Bucky, yeah, sort of going through that journey that Steve had to go through uh, when Steve, to, to your point about Steve's list that he had. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, a, I think it's, I think it plays also onto the idea of soldiers returning home. And sometimes it's an adjustment just to um, get back to normal mm-hmm. and, and live a life without being a soldier and and that was very much Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. And then with Bucky, it's more about he, he his life will never be normal. He's he has way too much PTSD and Hydra fucked with his head. Mm-hmm. But now he has this list and it's not about getting it's about finding peace. Yeah. And um and and that that was another clever thing that I didn't see coming was um him and the older man who turns out to be the father of one of his victims as Winter Soldier. Yeah, that got, that that one that one got me. Uh, I was I got, I got I was what my daughter and I watched the episode together and we were both we just kind of looked at each other and we were like whoa <laughs> that, yeah. whenever when whenever that happened because you know it it. Re- it was important. This was, it was an important sequence for them to put that in there to remind us, and also and also to bring up folks who who may or not as steeped in MCU lore mm-hmm. about who who Bucky and and what the Winter Soldier actually was, right? Uh, because um, and so because when that sequence first happened, it kind of threw me for a loop. I'm like, wait a minute, did he have a did he have a relapse? Because uh, we got the long hair and, and oh, all yeah. that, yeah, and it, it did throw me. I mean, I, I have to admit, I, I was like, oh, oh boy, this is this is not how I thought this show was going to go. <laughs> that is what we call good editing. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Hold, well yeah, it's it's almost. I mean, I under going in, I um, I understood what Sam Wilson's arc was going to be. The more I think about this episode, the more I understand or I'm starting to think what they're going to do with Bucky. And with Bucky, I think it's going to be more about how do you take that name, Winter Soldier, and transform it from a bad guy into a good guy? Mm -hmm. Yes, he fought alongside the Avengers. We've seen the movies. We understand that. He got like five minutes of screen time total. Yeah. So, but he himself still doesn't view it as being a hero. Like he, when he, when he, he's fully in winter soldier mode in those nightmare sequences. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you get to the other side of that? I do want to call out one thing though, 
that they should explain. Why did he get kicked out of Wakanda? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. <laughs> they never explain. They mention <laughs> it. He even says, "I had so much peace." I'm like, "Then what did you do to get kicked out?" Kicked out. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, that's something that they may explore in uh, as we as we go further into the series, and, and maybe it is because maybe it was a, as part of the pardon um, and, and making amends. Maybe that was that was why he got kicked out, um, or maybe not kicked out, but in order to in order to in order to to get pardoned for uh, all the heinous acts that he committed over over the years. Uh, maybe they, the Wakandans had done everything they could do for him, and now he had to go to the next step and, and, and do what we saw um, in, in this episode. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Flag Smashers? And um, I forget his name, but Sam's buddy, who was, like, tracking them down and got beat up during the big riot? Yeah, it was, uh, I think, Joaquin. I think it's his friend's... Um, and apparent, uh, you know, I'm not uh, as far as the flag smashers. I think it, it was something that you know we picked up on this theme and uh, in Wandavision, and now uh, we're seeing it here. Where after, as we're as we're getting further removed from people returning from the blip, um, how how the world is looking. And to have it, you know, the old order is like gone now because so many people, you know, you had billions of people who were, who were gone and now they're coming back. Think, you know, and, and yet, and so the people who were left after the snap pretty much had to learn to, to move on with their lives and, and adjust to, to, to this new world. Now you have everybody coming back into it and, you know, feeling people feeling very strongly about how things, how the things should be. And, you know, we, we got some, you know, we got whenever um, the sword lead who took over for Monica in, in WandaVision, we got some of that. And now, you know, here we are six months later after it, and we're seeing it even more. So, you know, I, I, I really, I really liked that um, move because yeah. Because it, it, and also it, it, thinking back, I was watching, you know, going back to Winter Soldier and Civil War. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And the Zacovia, Zacovia Accords, how, you know, the whole reason why Ultron was built was Tony was trying to build a shield, you know, a, a system to basically protect the world. And, and and so now fast forward and, and you see how folks are trying to now put the world back together after all of these events. I, I, it's, it's, I, I love that dichotomy of, of show uh, and, and of, of the two and, and, and how governments now are treating these, these, the, the flag smashers as, as an existential threat, threat to, to, to the, to the world's order at this point. Right. I, I think it's an interesting concept that I didn't expect that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there was five years where mm-hmm. the world went on and even though half of the population disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Thanos, Thanos had had a philosophy totally. He did the math. He understood the math and he's like, you know, it'll make the, everything will go be a lot better for our civilizations if we do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so in a way it makes sense that people coming out of it are, are experiencing, wait a second, I was here for those five years and my life improved. Mm-hmm. It's just like in um, Infinity or no, in Endgame, when we see the aftermath and what it does to the Avengers having having lost people in the blip. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, so you forget, though, but even though they lost, there are some people who probably have won. I mean, Tony didn't want to sacrifice what yeah. he gave from it that's right so so i mean i i was just like when i when i saw that line i was like that is freaking clever really like that smart idea Mm -hmm. and and i like how even though the blip is is it's some could say oh it's repetitive i mean are all of these shows are we always going to have a blip storyline but what they're doing is they're really being cautious about the different angles to explore the blip aftermath through certain sets of characters. I mean, we just spent what nine weeks with WandaVision and that was through the lens of grief and loss. Mm -hmm. And, and then this one is very political. Mm -hmm. It's about government. I mean, I don't know why they call them flag smashers. I personally would call them Thanos sympathists. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. You should trade. You should trademark that. <laughs> but I, I, I like that idea. I'm almost pretty sure that the guy who is now quote unquote Captain America, but not really, was the same guy who beat up Sam's friend Joaquin. Yeah. Um, that that's my hunch, but it could be just another person who's hopped up on something, but. I don't know. The more I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, Will. Initially, I was like, "Uh," about this episode. But the more I think about it, the more I talk with you about it, the more I actually really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. 
And I think a lot of us should go and do our homework and rewatch Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I, yeah, I, I really, you're right. I mean, the more, I mean, this, this show has so, like I said, that when we first started talking about it, you know, it comes out of the gate, like what you expect for the MCU. But then whenever they really, whenever we have stopped and really pause and talk about what's actually going on. I mean, it's a very layered and nuanced view of, of, of the, of, of the world after, after Endgame. And, and you're right. I mean, th- it is, um, yeah. I mean, they're going to use this as off ramp, the blip being off jump into different stories. So yeah, we had grief this one. I think you're, you know, it is, it's finding your, it's finding yourself in this new world. For example, Sam, Mm-hmm. Because you know it picks up on his 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 line when he talked to Steve at the end of Endgame that you know it doesn't this doesn't feel you know this the this, this shield does feels like it belongs to someone else and so we're you know so we're gonna have that journey with Sam which we all saw that one coming uh, even though the, you know again to your point editing and clever advertising. You know, we were thinking Sam was going to be coming out here <laughs> with the shield and doing all this fun stuff at the beginning, and come to find out, he's donated the thing to the Smithsonian <laughs> because right. you know if that's not you know that, I'm not Cap, so so you know so I, I and seeing him and, and Rhodey, especially you know given how what what all had transpired in their relationship with Civil yeah. War. Mm-hmm. And when Rhodey showed up, I, that was another moment where I was just like, "Oh, oh, damn, uh, Rhodey's here!" And 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 to your point earlier about the military and preserving things, because it's you know Rhodey is there to basically preserve the the, the current order and, of things, where these flag smashers are, are 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 there to destroy, you know, to 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 break down all these nationalistic tendencies and barriers that. Or that the old guard is still trying to hold on to, and and then, to, but but also just seeing Sam and and Brody there together, and just you know, to having two prominent African American characters uh, as as the lead in in this show uh, was also very striking to me as well. Uh, I mean, it just it wasn't it, it definitely wasn't lost on me when I when I saw them together. Um, and having that moment, and 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 them trying maybe to, and, and as far as the two characters trying to you know rebuild their relationship, uh, given that you know Sam is is a contractor who is uh, doing all these missions for for the U.S. government. Yeah, well, I mean, both of them are so similar. Like they both experience very similar things between Endgame and Infinity War, where they they lost their quote unquote hero, their best friend. The person who they looked up to, who who were they were sidekicks to, and yeah. now they're trying to figure out their new world order as as not the sidekick but as the hero. Yeah. And they're both military men. That's another thing that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that theme of like, yeah, Rody Rody is cool to add on, but I think because he comes from that military background. It makes all the sense of the world because we've just talked about how the main characters in the show, there is that military background. And so similar ideas about PTSD and Mm -hmm. 
and being a soldier and returning home and what that means. So it's just, this is why MCU is just so good because I, even when I think I'm not really into something, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, damn, this should be commercial popcorn watching entertainment. And yet it is freaking layered. It is. And we're just getting started. So yeah, I told yeah, totally agree with you. Totally agree. But that's the but that's the thing. I mean, it's so yeah. I got into a dialogue with some folks on Twitter over the weekend, you know, about uh, a show and and really and and thinking about that and thinking about how we're discussing this. You you can have both, you know, be entertained because I was very entertained. Whenever this episode ended, I was like, what? I want more. <laughs> and so, right. and but also have good, just solid storytelling where it's just such, you know, and we had even, you know, we haven't even gotten to the financial issue, you know, the issues with Sam going to the bank and, you know, and, and all the, you know, the discrimination that he, you know, one, you know, he was like walking in there, I'm like, hey, I'm an adventure. And, and then, you know, he has a situation that happens with him there as well as just, uh, you know, it, I thought about our conversation. We talked about on Superman and Lois about you know the, 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 the money, and right. you know, and you know how do he, how does the Avengers get paid, and how the superheroes manage to do all these things, and 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 Sam, you know, used to being you know saving the literally saving the universe, and then now he you know he can't even help his sister out with you know saving their family boat. So right. Uh, you know, it's it's just so, such layers and such new, you know, such text, textures with with these stories. And I'm just, you know, the next five weeks, uh, especially how the episode ended with the you know, introduction of U.S. Agent, uh, and, and and from what I've read about how they're going to you know, differentiate how uh, the character is in the comic versus how they're going to use utilize the character in the MCU. I'm just really looking forward to this and you know, it was going to be probably at the end of the six week episode. It'd be like, man, come on. It was a second season. <laughs> um, we do have another thing to get to. Yeah. Um, and we're running a bit low on time, but um, I will, I will say this as a point of transition, the MCU, we never need a four hour cut of something. <laughs> well, understand what's happening. Just, just um, a three, just a three hour. Just three hours, maybe. Give <laughs> or take. One part two, you combine them both, probably a six hour movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Justice League Snyder Cut. Yeah. I watched it. Well, he was so freaking proud, and I. I'm proud of you. I am so proud of you. You actually finished it before I did. <laughs> did I did I did cheat? I like I. I, it was hard. The first hour yeah. was painful for me. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much I can say I fully watched of the first hour because there were a lot of times I was just doing other things. I would be like having on the background, not really being able to hear much. And, and I, and I leave the TV room and I go and do something in the kitchen and come back up. Amazonian still fighting. Yep. <laughs> come back. Amazonian still fighting. Still fighting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm glad I stuck with it because the third act, and I'm going to say the third act, so the last few chapters and the epilogue that would never end, um, 
I actually think worked. Mm-hmm. And we're probably the best part. Mm-hmm. Now I do I can't I can't claim to have seen the original version of Justice League. I've seen bits and pieces and I've seen enough to be able to say in a lot of confidence that third act is very 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 different. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> There's a lot that is missing. Yeah. And, and nobody ever wants to see again and it's like okay. Um but yeah, I I I was actually, I actually got up and stopped what I was doing and came and paid attention for a good half hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about an hour, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, actually, I I have to say, I actually enjoyed this film. I, I went into it um, low expectations uh, because you know it was one of those things where it, it had been such hyped and talked about and and, and everything, but uh, you know and I vaguely I ba- barely remember the theatrical cut. I mean, it was I only watched the theatrical cut one time, um, and you know I was like, okay, I'm done with it. So, <laughs> um, but the uh, and there's plenty of you know, articles out there that can get, I mean, there's some that gets into like the 45 different changes between the theatrical cut and uh, the Snyder cut. And there's also, I thought the Washington Post did a good seven key things that were different between each. And, and I, I agree with those seven key things. And, and most of them were in that uh, final, final act, uh, the final two chapters. Um, what I liked about it the most was, it, from what I do remember of the theatrical cut and the the um, Snyder cut, obviously, you know, it, I mean, yeah, obviously Cyborg's story, um, and 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 the Flash story, mm-hmm. and and also, um. Having watched this after Wonder Woman eighty four and seeing how Diana, yeah, because if you think it as far as as far as continuity, uh, you know, clearly the Snyder cut was obviously present day versus we get the present day Diana and seeing her come full circle as far as being comfortable with herself in the world as as Wonder Woman. Versus, you know, what we saw of the character in Wonder Woman eighty four, um, it it really, I I really appreciated what Zach did with these characters and and really treating them, you know, the difference between MCU the Marvel characters and DC characters is, you know, Marvel characters their flaws are all on display. DC characters are treated are treated like gods because, you know. Quite frankly, they they are they are almost godlike when you think of a character like Superman. So right. so you really got that through line, I think, in, in Snyder's vision as far as how he treated these characters versus how Josh Whedon treated these characters. Yeah, I he also treated the villain a little bit better. Yeah. Even though there are a lot of points when they would do a close-up of Steppenwolf, and I'm just like, why is your face so tiny? 
Like <laughs> yeah. your juxtaposition the rest of your body. Why is your like little face just peeking out? And you have these like, I'm sorry. I, it really is jarring to me sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, but I did like this idea that he, he did something mm-hmm. that, and it's, this is like a redemption mission for him Yeah. Um, with dark side. And so I think that motivation, like that's, that's, that's all you need. We just need something to understand why things are happening. Mm -hmm. And, and the villain is often behind it. So, so it's not about like, oh, I didn't realize that they were the bad guy. No, it's about understanding that motivation so that you're not constantly wondering, well, why, why is Lex doing this? Like, what is, does he know? Like, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, so I think that also worked a lot. Um, but yeah, your point about these characters for DC godlike, very much emphasized mm-hmm. to the point where Bat- Batman was the smallest character on the screen in a way. Yeah. And I said that just because it's contributions a little bit. He's gadget guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I can't take I can't take that credit for that one. It was Leslie Leslie Jones and her live tweets of of uh the Snyder Cut. <laughs> um th- I'm kind of mad at this movie because as much as I hated a, a good most of it, um just because I can't stand the CGI that they used mm-hmm. so bad for me. Mm-hmm. Um But I'm mainly upset at this movie because, and this is why I kind of was never on board with Snyder Cut. I don't like the idea that you're going to have all of these sequences in the 45-hour epilogue. (laughs) That's, I mean, there's a scene between Joker and Batman that at first I was like, oh my God, did I completely miss the scene? Because where is it? And then it appeared, and I'm like, oh, it's part of the 45-hour epilogue. Got it. Yep. And and it's just a conversation, and that that conversation should have been the entire epilogue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I want more of that clear setup for another movie, mm-hmm. and and it's just it pisses me off because I don't yeah. think we're gonna get it. Yeah, that I, I agree with you there. I, I felt like. Yeah, I mean, I felt like the epilogue really was like a, it was almost like a mini feature film in and of itself, because, because it, because we, we, you know, we, especially the first part of the epilogue, I thought, really tied in well with what we had just watched for the last three and a half hours. Right, the cyborg, (laughs) cyborg. The father, because yeah. you know, because that was the difference between that was one of the notable noticeable differences between the theatrical and his daughter. Theatrical cut, uh, Silas Stone lives. This one, he he, he sacrifices himself to, right. to and right. and so, so that was one of the things. I thought that was that over. I mean, Joe Morton's just you know dialed speech about everything and and the images. I thought that was just a. It should have stopped it there. But then you tacked on that Joker thing, and I'm just like, damn, they're going. We can't, and we know we're not going to get more from this. That right. that yeah, that that was where uh, I was oh, mad about the film. Uh, yeah. But yeah, well, uh, that and then Martian um, Martian Manhunter. Yeah, act on that, and you're yeah. just like, wait, 
huh? We, I, we wanted the Snyder cut, <laughs> but <laughs> this is just mean. This is, <laughs> this mean. is spiteful. <laughs> yeah, because I thought because I, I had I heard Martian Manhunter was going to be in it, and of course we you know within the film itself we we, we he 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 goes John Jones like goes and um, pretends to be Martha and, and helps Lois you know move forward with with things, and then <laughs> and of course we get this epilogue piece, and again it's just like really you're doing this really. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, the other thing about the, the reason why the Joker scene, as brilliant of a scene of, as it is, they, they, he did a very similar thing in Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. where in the freaking trailer, they show Robin's costume yeah. torn up and everything. Yep. Since then, we have all been speculating about, I think it's called The Death in the Family. Yeah. Is that the arc? I believe so, yeah. yeah. And then they added that dialogue into this conversation between Batman v. Batman and Joker. And I'm just like, stop fucking teasing. (laughs) Give us the full four-hour, five-hour cut of that storyline because we want it. <laughs> we want, yes, yes. It's like, and that's that's the criminal. That's the sad, that's the criminal thing about this whole. I mean, God bless the Snyder Cut fans for you know you you got what you wanted, but then you got what you wanted, but then you like you, you didn't you, get what you wanted. You got you got a part <laughs> you of what you wanted, but then. About- Things that you would love to see one day. Yeah, but then now you know you used up all your capital on releasing the Snyder Cut, but you didn't save a little bit in the bank for restoring the Snyder Cut. Like, <laughs> or the Snyder Verbs, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Because they spent. Is the Batman going to redeem it and come out with the Death in the Family arc in the last like trilogy part of their trilogy? Because somebody's got to tell that freaking story. Somebody's I want to see it. <laughs> yes, I want to see it too. And now, like I said, they spent all their capital on releasing the Snyder Cut, but didn't save any for restoring the Snyderverse. And now, I mean, and granted, yeah, obviously we, uh, we 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 both can't wait for for Matt Reeves' version to to come out, and 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 we'll see some of these, you know, some of the, you know, I guess the Snyderverse will live on in these standalone films. But uh, I think Batman, you know, clearly is going to go in a different direction. Uh, yeah. Well, so. we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe we'll get it some in the flash. Maybe. I, uh, well, we know we're not getting Keaton in the flash. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> I just, the lesson that I want DC to figure out is there's a difference between an Easter egg for the sake of an Easter egg and an MCU Easter egg. The MCU, we 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 break spend hours analyzing every single frame in WandaVision for better or for worse because we know when they put something in there, they're gonna deliver on it nine times out of ten. Yeah. Right? Right, right. But now that I'm thinking about the Snyder Cut and Batman v Superman, I'm just like, but wait a second. You you clearly understand these characters, you clearly understand these arcs. 
But why are we having so much of it just delivered via dialogue? Yeah. <laughs> why why show us Bruce Wayne losing his parents at the beginning of Batman v Superman and maybe not losing his adopted son, whatever you want to call him? Mm-hmm. Like I just I just there there's a lot more telling instead of showing. And yeah. I think that's that's what I continue to have trouble with with both Zack Snyder's um, vision of this universe and just the DC universe as a whole. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that that that's that's a fair point. I mean, I, but I I do think there was at least the exposition in this Snyder cut was actually followed up with actual action uh, as far as making you know tying that it it was it was relevant to the story and it wasn't just like a lot of talk and we didn't get any you know to to, to, i mean i guess instead of getting all the talk that we had uh, in the whedon cut of justice league and the snyder cut all that exposition that was in was now spread out in the in the first six chapters uh, oh yeah, because well, yeah. Snyder loves his action sequences that yeah. I I could care less about. I'm I'm not. I'm talking more about when when you, in your dialogue you reference things to characters, yeah. telling the character you should like you should understand this because this this happened historically with this character, and you're just like okay, so I'm being told to empath have um have empathy for a character as mm. opposed to being shown. Mm-hmm. And so that I can experience that loss and that pain with the character and yeah. have more relate more to it. Yeah, true. But yeah, I get your point there, and I and I and I think that's like, for example, with the the Flash's storyline in this uh, in the Snyder Cut actually has gotten me excited for for that film because the way. Uh, it, it, that he was fleshed out and how they introduced him properly this time. Uh, really, I, I, I'm, I'm, and, and, and also how he was very pivotal again to the whole saving of the universe. I mean, like, you know, as we saw in the climax of this film, I mean, he had to run, you know, he was running around the Russian town to, you know, create the arc that would power cyborg to, um, open the mother box and mm-hmm. uh, to, to separate the mother boxes. And, and so again, it reinforces the, the notion that the reason why the justice league in, in the DC comics world, this is so important is, you know, these are pivotal characters who, who really do have a, a role in, in shaping the larger multiverse. And, and in the flash's case, obviously, you know, the way they built the, the Snyder Cut really, I think, does a good job of ext- of establishing the story moving forward that we'll see in, in the movie as far as his version, the, the movie version of Flashpoint. So, because we saw that power of him like reversing time, you know, so in order to in order to save things. So, you know, I those, see, those, yeah. Um, this movie made me like Barry Allen a lot less. Huh. <laughs> I'm. Huh. I'm not sold. And um and he I don't say this often, so take note everyone. Um, 
part of the reason why is because I kept comparing it to the Flash TV show, and um, the Flash did it better on the yeah. CW. Yeah. I, I, especially his relationship with his dad. Um, oh yeah, definitely. I agree with that. That relationship during the Snyder Cut, and so yeah. I really kind of I need to buy into that relationship, and yeah. I understand it. You can't also have John Wesley ship play, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you really should have. <laughs> they should have, yeah. But no, no disrespect to Billy Crowder, but you're right. Now, I, I will admit that when I was seeing those scenes it, with uh, with Ezra and and and, uh, and, and Billy. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I could. I was like Grant. Yeah, Grant and John, they do, they do do it better. I mean, there's just no, no if ands or buts about that. I, I will agree with you there. Yeah, I just I couldn't get over that one scene where he says that, "Hey, I got a job. My kid got a job." I'm like, "Oh my, take it down a notch." <laughs> what the fuck yeah. is going on here? Yeah. Um, well, actually, Billy really Crudup is out of about the direction Snyder gave them during yeah, that. Yeah. Well, you know what? Come to think, the the door has been open for John now because Crudup has a scheduling conflict, so he can't be in the Flash film. So, um, God, yeah. So maybe maybe we can get maybe we can get Henry uh, get get John to do Henry in this one too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Henry, and then we got to find another Martha for the mother of the Flash. I yeah. know her name is not Matt Martha; it's Nora, but still, that would yep. be hilarious. <laughs> Um, maybe in the, one of the timelines we go maybe, through, it can be Martha. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, we go. Yep. <laughs> but but yeah, I I was kind of I was kind of coming out of this movie. I was like, I don't I don't care. It didn't. The Flash movie is the only movie in the DC universe right now that I know is really happening, with or without Keaton. So I'm kind of like, it's going to happen regardless, and we're going to talk about it regardless, but I'm also kind of indifferent on it. I don't mm. have high expectations. I probably have lower expectations now. Mm. Mm. Um, and But then again, it's at that it's that unfair advantage. I'm, I'm taking however much screen time was in this movie, this 28-hour-long movie, <laughs> And comparing it against a TV show that has been on for 23 episodes, six years, seven years. Yeah. So it's it's kind of, it's hard. And yeah. and the Flash TV show has also run itself into a dead, like, dead end. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how fast Barry can run this time. Yeah. Um, on that note, we really should be wrapping up. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. You can find me on Twitter at S.J. Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd Friends. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.